Not only should Walters be your spot before and after every Nats game, but also Walters is an avenue for cheaper Nats tickets. When buying tickets to Nationals Park through the rest of the season, enter promo code WALTERS for 30% off. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. be a 3-2. It's on the way. Swing a fly ball. Golf to right. Deep toward the corner. Sending Garrett to the warning track. He leaps at the wall. Can't get it. The ball is gone. Garrett slams into the fence and he's down. Home run for LeMay. He makes it 7-0. But now the concern is for Garrett who is rolling over in agony after slamming into the fence trying to rob LeMayhew. Rather than ball four, it's 3-2. Ferrer deals. Swing a high drive. Deep right field. Way back toward the corner. If it's fair, it's gone, and it is fair. Right down the line, the third homer of the game for Aaron Judge. Makes it 8 nothing, Yankees. And welcome to Nats Chat for Thursday, August 24th, 2023, along with MadisonSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. There have been a lot of good days for the Nats lately. Wednesday was not one of those days. The Nats on Wednesday night got ripped at the New York Yankees 9-1 in Game 2 of a three-game series. The Nats in this game gave up three home runs to Aaron Judge. Now, this was just the Nats' 11th loss over their last 31 games, and that's now 58-69. and 69. The Yankees, with this win, snapped a nine-game losing streak. But what this game will be remembered for, certainly from a Nats perspective, is what happened with Stone Garrett. So Garrett on Wednesday night was an ad starting right fielder and number six batter. He in the bottom of the seventh and attempting to make a leaping catch of what ended up being a leadoff full count opposite field home run by DJ LeMahieu to right field. Crashed into the wall, landed on the warning track, and was rolling in pain. This was quite the visual. And what we ended up seeing was that Garrett had caught his lower left leg in the outfield wall, on which Garrett's cleat actually left a mark. Garrett ended up being carted off the field, actually limped to the cart with his left leg in an air cast, as opposed to being a stretchered onto the cart. But maybe the worst part of all of this, this like heartbreaking scene, Garrett covering his face with a towel while crying as he was carted off the field. There's a lot about this that we still don't know, but we do know that, Mark, that was quite the scene on Wednesday night. It's one of the tougher ones I've seen in my time covering the team. The only one 
that I really feel like I remember that resembled that in any way, coincidentally enough, happened also in New York at Shea Stadium many years ago when Nick Johnson collided with Austin Kearns and broke his leg. And everyone could tell immediately that it was that severe. And this reminded me of that. Not It's a very different type of play, but just the way that he reacted afterwards, the way that the team all reacted afterwards and and the long delay to get him stabilized and off the field. So you hope that it's not as bad as that. That was a major broken leg that knocked Nick Johnson out for a year and really derailed his career at that point. Like you said, it's going to be a little while. It'll be till the morning till they have a sense of everything with x-rays and an MRI. If there is a glimmer of good news to this, it would be this. Stone Garrett was in the clubhouse, actually, after the game. We were in there talking to several players, and he came out of the shower on crutches with help from Paul Lassard, their head trainer, and made his way to his locker and and was being helped to get dressed. Now, I don't know details here, but they have an x-ray machine at Yankee Stadium. Most ballparks have x-ray machines. They don't have MRI machines. I have a hard time believing that if an x-ray showed a fracture or a significant break, that they would have allowed him to go shower before then going to the hospital. That seems like the kind of thing that you would immediately get him to the hospital for. Now, I don't want to interpret too much here. I don't want to just assume anything, but there was maybe a little sense at the end of the night at the ballpark that it's not as bad as it looked. Davey Martinez said it is his lower leg, said did not appear to be his ankle, which could also have been a problem for all this. So, Maybe some glimmers of hope there that it's not as bad as it looked, but obviously still a significant injury and one that really emotionally was tough for everybody to deal with. So an x-ray would not reveal something like a torn ACL, a torn knee. This was not his knee. This was the lower leg. Do we at least know that? That was Davey's initial indication of what he'd heard about it was that it was his lower leg, not the knee, not the ankle. Now, We've seen oftentimes that you can find out more over time and that, you know, your body feels certain things and then they go in and look and find that there was more or less or different parts than you thought. I've seen guys suffer. I think it was Bryce Harper when he looked like he had busted his ACL, slipping on first base, running down the line in the rain, thinking that that it was a terrible knee injury. He hurt his knee not as bad, but he also hurt his ankle on that play, if I remember right. So, It can sometimes end up being multiple things, so I think we'll still have to wait and see for sure. But the initial feeling per Davey Martinez was that it's his lower leg, not his ankle, not his knee. Well, we'll hope for good news. I mean, you never know with this stuff. Obviously, it did not look good. That was quite the visual that was on display there on Wednesday night. You know, we can't assume, I guess, that Stone Garrett's season is over, but we certainly can talk about his season. And This really was one of the more uplifting seasons for a Nats player this year. And that's saying something, because we do have some nice, uplifting stories going on right now with the Nats. But Stone Garrett, a guy who the Nats signed as a free agent this past November, this is his age 27 season. And he, for this season, has an OPS at the Major League level of 800. And, you know, I say at the Major League level, he did not begin the regular season at the Major League level. The Nats, very early in the regular season, called him up from AAA Rochester and To his credit, he has been with the team ever since. And, you know, he's gone from this uh, platoon guy who only faces left-handed pitching to now more recently, of course, facing right-handed pitching and left-handed pitching. 
and he's been doing well. OPS of 800. I think it's almost symbolic that his start on Wednesday night came in right field. We have been seeing more and more of him in right field. You know, he's gone from being a guy who only was playing left field and only was facing left-handed pitching to now a guy who we are seeing more and more of. And, um, you know, I hope somehow his season isn't over because this was a really nice season that he had put together. And it felt like each passing day it was getting better. Like you, you thought, boy, if this guy could play every day the rest of the season, let's see what those numbers end up being. It's kind of crazy to think about now. It's easy to forget now that he did not make the opening day roster, that Alex Call beat him out for the fourth outfielder spot. And it really wasn't much of a competition based on spring training performance. And then two, three days into the season, he's getting called up already from AAA because Corey Dickerson got hurt. So he's stuck as part of a platoon in left field. And slowly over time, he started to have success when given a chance to face righties and started to get more opportunities against them. And when Dickerson was released after the trade deadline, he essentially moved into a starting role and ran with it in a way that I'm not sure even the Nationals themselves were expecting and thought that he would be. I think there was a feeling all along that this guy could be a good productive bench player for us and a platoon player. I don't think they're really thinking him in terms of everyday playing, but he has earned it. And as Davey pointed out, he's pointed out several times recently, but also after the game, among the reasons for it, it's not just as bad, but he's played good defense as well. And remember, he would be the guy to come in for Dickerson late in a game for defense. And so the fact that he would now get hurt trying to make a great defense play, to me, he almost caught it. There was a split second there watching from you know 400 feet away in the press box as he fell to the ground that I had to wait and see, did he actually catch it? He didn't, but it was a great effort on his part, and it shows you how good he's been defensively, that that was even a possibility for him to make that play. So, you know, we'll see whether there's time for him to come back, depending on the severity of it. You hope that he can, but even if he doesn't, I know they've got a lot of young outfielders in the mix who are going to be ready at some point, but I think what he did this year for them has earned him the right to come to spring training next year in a good position, at least to make the team, if not to be part of the opening day starting lineup. Or to make somebody else's roster. I mean, he has shown well for himself uh, with what he has done this season here. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. Well, the heat, the humidity, the sky-high temperatures, uh, they all are here. And all of this is forcing your air conditioning into overdrive, leading to ultra-high energy bills. The solution, new windows from the folks at Window Nation. And Window Nation right now is offering a sensational deal to listeners of the Nat Chat podcast. Right now, no money down, no payments, and no interest for two years, plus 50% off all styles of windows. And if you call this week, you get an extra 10% off. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and tell Window Nation that you want the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast. Again, no money down, no payments, no interest for two years, plus 50% off all styles of windows. And if you call this week, you get an extra 10% off your order. 866-90NATION or windownation.com. If you've been thinking about getting new windows, now is the time. 866-90NATION or windownation.com. That's 866-90NATION or windownation.com. And make sure that you tell Window Nation that you want the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast. Tim Shovers here to tell you about the Game Time app. A lot happening in D.C. this coming weekend. 
Nickelback Concert, DC United, The Mystics, and Commander's preseason finale. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. It is the fastest growing ticketing app in the USA for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy, so that way you know exactly what to expect when you show up. Grab the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Here's what to do. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code NATSCHAT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code NATSCHAT, that's spelled N-A-T-S-C-H-A-T, for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Hey guys, Al Galdi here to tell you about Factor, which is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. I have been eating Factor meals. They are outstanding. They can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track reaching your goals. We, of course, are in the thick of summer, but the school year isn't far away. Everyone's busy. You want to make sure that you're eating well. With Factor, you can skip that extra trip to the grocery store, and also skip the chopping, the prepping, and the cleaning up too while still getting the flavor and the nutrition that you need. Factors Fresh Never Frozen Meals are ready in just two minutes. All you have to do is heat up the meal and enjoy the meal and then get back to doing whatever it is that you need to be doing. Here's what you do. Go to factormeals.com slash natschat50 and use the code natschat50. You do that, you get 50 off. Yeah, 50% off. Go to factormeals.com slash NatsChat50 and use that promo code NatsChat50 for 50% off. Factormeals.com slash NatsChat50 and use that promo code NatsChat50 for 50% off. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Here's your Dylan Cruz update for the game played on Wednesday evening as Harrisburg lost 6-1 to the visiting Reading Fighting Phils. Dylan Cruz led off in center field 0-4, struck out once on the night. He has now played two games at the double-A level. Now back to Mark and Al. Three balls, two strikes to pitch. Swing and a fly ball to deep right down the line, hooking toward the corner. Will this one stay fair? It does. Into the second deck and out. A home run for Dom Smith. And the Nationals have broken the Yankees' shutout bid. Smith with his sixth home run of the year in RBI number 34. On the 3-2 pitch from Wandy Peralta. It's the Yankees' nine and the Nationals' one. You know, you have something like the Stone Garrett injury, and you almost feel silly, you know, talking about other things in the game, but that is what we are here to do. So this was a 9-1 loss for the Nats at the Yankees on Wednesday night. It was a game that included a bad outing for Mackenzie Gore, although a big part of that outing was some really bad Nats defense. And I would like to see the alternate universe in which the Nats defense isn't so bad because this maybe actually doesn't end up being a bad outing for Mackenzie Gore. Ultimately, Gore in this game, six runs, two earned in four innings. He gave up four hits, two Aaron Judge home runs, and two singles. Did have four strikeouts versus one walk. Did throw a 
pretty decent number of strikes, 80 pitches, 51 strikes versus 29 balls. But he did allow things to unravel in what ended up being a five-run Yankee second in which the Nats' defense was a problem. But first came that uh, first home run by Aaron Judge. Bottom of the first, a one-out solo shot by Judge off Gore to right center field for a one nothing Yankees lead despite Judge having been down at 1.12, 431 feet per stand cast. And then came this five-run Yankees bottom of the second. Five runs allowed. One was earned for Mackenzie Gore in this inning. So he gave up a leadoff single by Harrison Bader to center field on a 1-2 pitch. What happened with Bader in this inning is a conversation in and of itself. Bader then stole second base, advanced to third base on a ground out by Anthony Volpe to third baseman Ildemaro Vargas, who it looked like did not look Bader back to second base. Or if he did, he certainly did not intimidate Bader because Bader came charging right into third base. Then came a one-out RBI fielder's choice grounder by Everson Pereira as shortstop C.J. Abrams, who did not have a very good inning on the grounder, made a one-hop throw to catcher Kbert Ruiz at home. Now, Kbert made the catch, but then had the ball knocked out of his glove via a hard slide by Bader for a 2-0 Yankees lead. Bader was a real force in the early portion of this inning. Then came the aforementioned Stone Garrett committing an error. Went out fielding error. He on a fly ball by Kyle Higashioka to the right center field warning track. Failed to make a running backhanded catch, but there's a lot more to that than just Garrett not making the catch. He and center fielder Lane Thomas nearly crashed into each other. Thomas motioned as if he had lost track of the ball, and I don't know if there was bad communication or what, but uh, you know, you had a, a bad news bears type scenario out there, and Garrett got charged with an error. Now, Gore then faltered. He issued a one-out five-pitch walk of Oswald Peraza to load the bases, and then two batters later, Gore gave up a two-out grand slam by Aaron Judge to dead center for a 6-0 Yankees lead, 437 feet per stat cast. And then two batters after that, the Nats' bad defense struck again, a two-out fielding error by C.J. Abrams, who allowed a grounder by John Carlos Stanton to go right through the legs. Man, this inning, it felt like took about uh, four years to complete. Not a lot of good things to chew on from what went down in this inning. The Nats defense really has not been much of a problem during the stretch of, you know, 20 wins and now 31 games. But boy, was the defense a problem in that five-run second. That's what made it so disappointing is that that was so uh, not reflective of who they have been for the last month. And that it would all fall apart like that in such a, an ugly fashion was pretty hard. <laughs> it's funny, you're, you're in New York, you're at Yankee Stadium, and there's a lot of national media that just naturally comes to these games. And they didn't really come to the Nats side on Tuesday. But after they won the game, and I think some of them started to realize, wait a minute, this team's playing really well. There, there's kind of an interesting story going on there. They just re-signed Davey to a new contract. There were several of them at Davey Martinez's pregame press conference asking broader questions about the team and how well they've played and about the rebuild and how close it may be to them seeing uh, it come to fruition. And Davey was making a point about how well they have played in the fundamentals throughout this stretch. Good base running, good defense. And then to see it fall apart like that, I'm sure some of these writers who haven't been following the Nationals very closely were saying to themselves, what is he talking about? These guys look awful out there. It was so uncharacteristic of them to do that. A couple of points on some of the individual plays. The Abrams throw to the plate, yeah, he bounced it. He had the time. No reason for that not to be a good solid throw. But as you point out, Ruiz had the ball in his glove in time and just couldn't hold it to make the tag. So that's 
a costly one. The fly ball to right center field, according to Lane Thomas, both of them lost it in the lights or the dusk initially. Then both of them located it. Both of them called for it, and neither one backed off. It sounds like Lane maybe called for it first. Either Stone didn't hear that or he kept calling for it, and so they both went for the ball, and that ends up happening. Another obvious mistake there. So if any of that is played the way it's supposed to be played, Aaron Judge never comes up that inning. But he did, and you can't just let Gore off the hook because he did groove a fastball to him and watched it sort of center field for the grand slam. So anything that could go wrong did go wrong that inning, and it really shaped the whole game, at least up until the injury later on. Now, to his credit, Mackenzie Gore was really solid after that. And what could have been a disastrous and very short start, he turned to at least a little more respectable, getting through the fourth inning, seven straight outs to end his outing. And so, I mean, you want to look for some glimmers of, of things there. He did show an ability to bounce back from what was a really ugly inning there, both of his own making and the defense's making. But boy, that was such a hard inning to watch and just so out of character from what we've come to know from this team over the last month plus. So this was not shown on TV, at least from what I saw, but it was commented on by either Bob Carpenter or Kevin Franzen that after the Garrett error, Gore slammed the rosin bag on the mound. Did you see that? That Gore reacted in a not so good way to that error? I didn't notice that one myself. I'm not surprised if that was true. We know he's an emotional pitcher. Remember the play with Victor Robles when it turned out Robles' back still wasn't healthy, that it looked like he was showing him up a little bit. I would not be surprised if there was some of that and the frustration from Mackenzie Gore, who, like I said, is an emotional guy, and they are working with him on trying to control those emotions a little bit better. You know, he wasn't making any excuses afterwards. He took responsibility for giving up the home run and, and wasn't placing the blame on the defense for that. He's actually one of Stone Garrett's closest friends on the team and and broke down in, in tears in talking about Stone after the game. You could tell that it really affected him, that injury to a good friend of his. So I don't think there was any disrespect meant on his part if he did react that way, but he is an emotional pitcher and it is something they're trying to work with him on to both publicly not show that, but also to keep his head where it needs to be, which is getting the next batter out. And he didn't do a great job of that that inning, although he did do a much better job after that inning was over. He did. It's just not a good look on two levels, right? Number one, it shows up a teammate. But number two, when you do that, and then later in the inning, you give up a grand slam, it's like, well, was your head properly in the game? And maybe it was, but just the optics in a moment like that are not good. The Nats defensively for the year do not rate well. Again, the defense lately has been better, but the Nats entered Wednesday tied with the Philadelphia Phillies for just 25th out of 30 major league teams. And Defensive run saved on the season at minus 21. But, you know, as bad as the Nats defense was in that five-run second for the Yankees on Wednesday night, the Nats hitting in this game may have been worse than that defense was uh, certainly in that inning. The Nats on Wednesday night scored just one run, totaled just three hits, worked just two walks, did not register a single at-bat with a runner in scoring position. The lone Nats run came with them down to their last strike. Top of the ninth, first baseman Dominic Smith connected on a two-out full count solo homer off the right field foul pole. 
to cut the Nats' deficit to 9-1. Hey, the Nats are 2-for-2 two two in this series in terms of hitting that right field foul pole. But how about who the Yankees' starting pitcher was on Wednesday night? Luis Severino. He is having a terrible season. Severino came into this game with an ERA of 798 on the season. And yet he on Wednesday night against the Nats tossed six and two-thirds scoreless innings. Like the defense, we have not seen the Nats get shut down like this very often lately. But boy, did they do next to nothing offensively on Wednesday night. And certainly haven't seen them shut down by a pitcher having the kind of season that Severino is having. It got sort of lost in the shuffle because of the bad defense, the bad pitching, and then the injury at the end of the game. But my God, that was outside of the no-hitter from a few weeks ago. That was their weakest offensive performance in a long time. And like you said, it's not like there were close calls or, well, they hit the ball hard or they had opportunities to score. No, they had no opportunities to score in this game until the home run in the ninth. I don't know what exactly to make of that, except that they were not putting together good quality at bats. They did not make Severino work that hard either, I don't think. And it was just one of those nights that did not go their way at all. Maybe they're down early and it was tough to get themselves back up. But we've seen this is a team that's capable of scoring runs in bunches and isn't phased by facing a deficit like that, whether it's early or even late. So, again, so many things were uncharacteristic about this game. And that was high on the list from a lineup that, while we know, has its flaws, but not to that extent, certainly not against a pitcher like they were facing in this game. The Nats bullpen on Wednesday night, you had three relievers who were used in this game. Two were quite good. Uh, One was not so good. So Robert Garcia, two scoreless innings with four strikeouts, also did not give up a hit. So Garcia was impressive. Jose A. Ferrer had some problems, though. Bottom of the seventh, he allowed three runs. He, to the first batter he faced, uh, gave up that home run by DJ LeMayhew, the home run which Stone Garrett got injured. And then after the lengthy delay, yet Ferrer giving up another home run giving up a full count opposite field solo homer by Aaron Judge to right field for an 8 nothing Yankees lead. Uh, and that was home run number three by Aaron Judge on the night. But uh, Andres Machado did then toss a perfect bottom of the eighth with a couple of strikeouts. Look, we know Aaron Judge is great. I mean, the guy is slugging well over 600 on the season. Now it's 645 on the year. Obviously, though, giving up three homers to even someone as good as him is not something that you want to do, that you're trying to do, or that you ever should do. I mean, the Nats really did get ripped by Judge in this game on Wednesday night. Yeah, they're putting pitches right over the plate for him. I mean, if you get beat on a good pitch down and away or up and in, something like that, you live with it. But both the Gore home runs came on pitches down the pipe. Ferrer, I understand it's a very tough situation a long delay after the injury. Everybody's emotional. The last thing you're thinking about trailing by a good number of runs at that point is trying to get it back together and finish out the game. But it is your job to do that. And he really did not do a good job of it. That was an ugly inning for him. He's had some moments that you like what you see, but there also have been some of these blowups that are frustrating. I guess you say that's part of being a rookie pitcher in the big leagues. It was tough to watch at a point when it just felt like Just get through the rest of the game with nothing else happening and go check on your teammate and see how he's doing. There has been a good number of good stuff 
from the Nats bullpen these last few weeks. We've talked about that, but an issue has been giving up home runs. That's been a problem throughout the season. We have seen relievers give up homers, and we certainly saw that with Ferrer on Wednesday night. We had some uh, bullpen news for the Nats on Wednesday, and the news was not good. Like I said, Wednesday just was not a good day uh, for the Washington Nationals. So bad news on reliever Coral Edwards Jr. He has been on the 15-day injured list since June 21st, retroactive to June 20th with right shoulder inflammation. And Davey Martinez, in his pregame session with you guys on Wednesday afternoon, revealed that Edwards has been shut down. This due to a stress fracture in his right scapula. So it would appear that his season is done. I guess nothing is certain, but you know, it would appear to be difficult to come back from that at this point. He's scheduled to be a free agent this coming offseason. Did a nice job for the Nats last season. This season, you know, you think about it. I mean, had he been healthy, would have been a nice trade ship for the Nats come the trade deadline on August 1st, but uh, he was not healthy. He also, he was not having that good of a season. It was kind of a so-so year that he was having But uh, is it safe to say that Edwards is done for the year or are we not prepared to say that? It's hard to see how he makes it back at this point from that. He shut down for a while. You'd have to then start up again throwing and, you know, know, look at the calendar. Time's running out. Now, I mean, this is the same injury, at least in name, that Jackson Tatro suffered last summer and he was out for the rest of the year well into this season. So that's a significant thing. That's not nothing, a stress fracture of your scapula. Now, according to Davey Edwards, he had already made a couple of rehab appearances. The first one went well. The second one, not so much. And I guess he reported after that not feeling right. So that's when they sent him for the test and found the stress fracture. I don't know if this is something that had been there all along or something that just popped up in this most recent outing. But for a guy who looked like he was maybe finally close to coming back, he's not coming back anytime soon. And like you pointed out, he's a free agent at the end of the year. They obviously weren't able to have him healthy at the trade deadline. They've seen the emergence of so many other relievers, especially young guys. There may not be a spot for Carl Edwards come next spring. And I don't know what kind of market there's going to be for him, unfortunately, at this stage of his career coming off what sounds like a pretty significant injury. So Edwards going on the 15-day IL back on, again, June 21st, sort of was the first of a number of Nats relievers going on the 15-day IL. Another guy who went on the 15-day IL was Thaddeus Ward. He has been on the 15-day injured list since July 3rd, retroactive to July 2nd with right shoulder inflammation. And I saw what you tweeted on Wednesday afternoon about Ward. This is kind of interesting that uh, he could actually get some starts in September. Yeah, he is now ready. He had been throwing in West Palm Beach. He's now ready to start on an official rehab assignment, and he's going to start the game for Wilmington on Thursday, and the idea is to get him up to four innings. Now, remember, his background in the Red Sox organization was as a starter. The Nats took him in the Rule 5 draft and said, we're going to make you a long reliever, try to limit your appearances to blowouts and things like that. Not really pitch all that well. There were a few moments along the way that were okay, but in the bigger picture, didn't really look like he was big league ready, as is often the case with Rule 5 picks. He gets hurt, he hurts his shoulder, and they decided, you know what, let's use this time to now get him to work on some things, and let's also try to stretch him out, because ultimately, I think they do believe if he makes it, it's going to be as a back-of-the-rotation starter. We've been talking all year about young pitchers and workloads, Mackenzie Gore, Jake Irvin, maybe even Josiah Gray, and would there come a point in September when they felt the need to shut anybody down. That is still on their minds, and somebody like Thad Ward 
could be used to help fill those innings as a starter or at the very least as a long reliever. So I think, you know, provided good health, they get him a few of these starts. We get to September and maybe they add him back to the roster and see how he looks, maybe making some spot starts for them down the stretch. Well, the Orioles actually did this with a guy, Tyler Wells, took him in a Rule 5 draft from Minnesota. He was a reliever. They converted him to a starter, and he actually was doing quite well this year. He was number one in the majors in whip for like a good chunk of this season. Now, he then struggled and has since been demoted to double-A buoy, but that can happen. I guess it's never good when anyone gets hurt, but if a Rule 5 draftee gets hurt and he's not exactly pitching all that well... It's maybe not the worst thing in the world, certainly from an organizational standpoint. You can put them off to the side, get somebody else in your bullpen, and maybe do as an ads are doing, which is kind of reconfigure some things with the guy and maybe, you know, bring them back in a different and better way. And remember, he did spend enough time on the big league roster to satisfy the Rule 5 requirements. So that's important because what it means is if he gets through the whole season and he's had enough time on the big league roster, they can now send him to the minors next year without fear of losing him. So I would not be surprised if that's ultimately the plan here. And maybe come 2024, Thaddeus Ward is one of the starters, say at AAA or even AA, and working his way maybe back into the big leagues at some point based on his performance as a starter in the minors. You tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the program, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to sponsor the show, hit up Tim Shover, see what we can do for you. NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. We have a website we invite you to check out too, NatsChatPodcast.com, at which you can buy a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. A thank you to Tim Newmark for the Nats Chat Podcast music. Visit TimNewmark.com. Game three for the Nats at the Yankees is on Thursday afternoon at 105. Patrick Corbin will be the Nats starting pitcher. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. We thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. First pitch to Noel. Fastball, fly ball, headed to right center. Rafaela has to run the other way. This time it's over his head, out near the fence, and it carries out of here. Noel homers to right center, and the Red Wings have scored the game's first run, one to nothing. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.